horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, welcome back to another edition of Winning Ponies. All the news that's fit to listen to in the first segment of this show. And uh, from there on, we're going to have uh, two outstanding guests. One is Eric Hamelback, the CEO of the HBPA. And the HBPA just finished up their uh, annual uh, conference uh, at, in Hot Springs. And uh, Eric is, you know, a, a key player. He didn't uh, host every one of the uh, the topics that was addressed, but he he has his hand in all of them. And so I've got an outline of things that they addressed that I thought you as horse players and uh, people that watch the industry would want to know about. Now, our second guest was supposed to be Matt Crothers, but Matt, Cobb, he's on his way. You know, he does it uh, every year. Uh, when it comes around to Tampa Bay time, he does uh, a lot of on-air for TVG, particularly with Tampa Bay Down. That's kind of, he's kind of a, developed a relationship with them. But he's stuck on an airplane or in an airport waiting, and he just thought by the time I was going to call him, he was going to do it. So in his stead, the one and the only Bob Railbird Roberts, formerly from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, turf rider extraordinaire. Uh, Bob's going to join us to try to break down those races that we can get in at Tampa Bay because of the torrential rains expected. And also, we'll see if we can sneak out to Oak Lawn Park because the Azari is one sensational race. Uh, again, good racing. It's kind of spread out this week, which is good for you because you got the advantage of easy win forms that we offer at winningponies.com. Uh, let's see, just today at Gulfstream Park, right out of the box, first race, $1 super high five returned $2,329 using the easy win forms. Now, folks, they're not always going to hit, but to get payoffs like this, you know that we are finding some numbers horses uh, to put in there. So uh, that's a good one at Gulfstream. I believe they've got the Hurricane Birdie down there this weekend for their graded stakes action. Uh, and, but we are going to be going out west, and uh, we had a mm, 10 days ago, a uh, $1 Super 5 that paid 1802 So anyhow, I'm not going to sit here and read the list of our successes. You can go to winningponies.com and pull those down yourself. So, uh, yeah, again, the, yeah, the Hurricane Birdie is a grade three, six and a half or four and up on the dirt. And then at Tampa, also uh, the uh, grades two Hillsborough, Mile and Apes scheduled for the turf. So the reason I'm going to pass on the turf races tonight is just there could be too many scratches. and then we had, Or it could be transferred to the main track. We'll, we'll find out. 
but we just, you know, we might be giving you horses that aren't even going to be in the race. So we're just going to stick with the two uh, dirt races because uh, also on the turf was the Florida Oaks. That's a grade three. And then out of Santa Anita, two more, the San Luis Ray. That's for four and up, and the Las Flores, that's for four and up. So uh, that's the other uh, weekend top action. But again, uh, Eric Hamelback, the CEO of the uh, HBPA, is going to be with us. And Bob Railbird Roberts, writer and handicapper extraordinaire. Uh, well, let's take a look at some of the news of the week. Just got this this morning. Go for Jen has passed away at the age of 32. Now, at the time, he was the oldest living Kentucky Derby winner. Uh, he just passed away on Tuesday. It was heart failure, but hey, at 31 for a horse, nothing wrong with that. Now, he had lived out uh, at the Kentucky Horse Park uh, since 2011. Of course, the Derby he won, I was there. Uh, the 1994 edition, uh, and uh, but then in the Preakness and the Belmont couldn't get it done with second Tabasco Cat in both of those races. So uh, uh, they just loved having him down at the horse park. He's what they call an ambassador for nearly 12 years to be able to get up in that close to a Kentucky Derby winner. And uh, I understand he was a pretty good uh, guy to to be around every now and then. I do believe his old rider Chris McCarron uh, would. Uh, go out and, and visit him uh, but uh, he'll always be special in Chris's heart that was his second Kentucky Derby win so uh, they're going to announce a memorial service uh, if you want to get down there to the Kentucky Horse Park all right well, we got interesting and late breaking information on some of the tragedies that had befell Wesley Ward uh, one of the top trainers of uh, this generation uh it was a barn fire caused by electrical storms uh, that, that claimed three of his horses. Now, this was just four days ago. And uh, they say it started just before 1 o'clock uh, in the afternoon when lightning struck a service pole. But here's the sad thing. The three horses that were killed were Strike the Tiger. I'll remember this horse forever. Uh, it was Ward's first Royal Ascot winner. Uh, then he lost the five-year-old Modesto in an unraced Hootenanny gelding. Of course, Ward trained uh, Hootenanny, who was an Ascot winner himself and uh, quite a character. But Strike the Tiger, he, he's now 15-year-old. He's son of Tiger Ridge. And uh, he liked him so much that he ended up being the pony that accompanied Ward's horses specifically when they went overseas for the Royal Ascot, kind of like uh, the old guy in the plane that says, hey, been there, done that, no reason for panic, we'll get there, it'll be beautiful when we get across the pond. So uh, he himself, it was 2009, we won the Windsor Castle Stakes at Ascot for Ward. And that's the, the, the race that really kind of broke Wesley Ward open is, uh, who's this guy? And guess what? <laughs> they got to deal with him every year ever since. But it, it gave him a lot of confidence and it, and it gave a lot of accreditations uh, to the uh, Americans that were willing to go over there. So Wesley Ward loses three horses. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks ago, I reported that his home ha had been broken into and that all of his ascot trophies were stolen. Well, this just broke a couple hours ago that um, 
awards uh, ascot uh, trophies there's been an arrest made in the theft uh some of the trophies have been recovered but there's burn damage i guess that what they were trying to metal, melt them down for the precious metals so uh what a bunch of idiots take such a precious thing and destroy them um you know i mean Wesley is certainly not a bodacious individual that you see trotting around. He's always got a smile on his face. He'll he'll come up and talk to you anytime. Um, you know, and it's just so sad. They, they took uh, the trophy from Judy the Beauty when she won the Philly and Mare Sprint. So uh, anyhow, uh, we will find out. We'll, we'll see if we got this guy's name. Or anyway, Kiwi's the one that broke the story. Not that it, Brian Wiley. His name is Brian Wiley, 47. So, uh, anyhow, we'll see what happens. So, uh, a bad couple of weeks, or maybe a good week. The theft was bad, but he got them back, but they're damaged. But I, there's probably a way to, to bring them back and refurbish them. So, anyhow, that's the latest news on what is going on with... Uh, with Wesley Ward has been really, uh, really busy. Now, um, as far as Jockey of the Week, Flavian Pratt took that down three graded stakes races. So, uh, not not a bad week. Uh, he won one for Baffert as time goes by. Remember now, they moved Friday's card to Monday. So some of the stuff was moved over there, and he had the call on Cezanne in the San Carlos. So he won that one. So two for Baffert and one for Phil D'Amato. Congratulations to Flavian Pratt. Now, last week was just an amazing Super Saturday. So we'll try to hit the highlights, especially the ones that we handicap with uh, my friend Marty McGee there uh, at Gulfstream Park. Of course, the Phasic Tipton Fountain of Youth was the, uh, the, the the key race on the card. The winner there, the slight favorite, Simplification, got the job done. Uh, he was just second in the Holy Bull. Uh, and, uh, but uh, White Aberio was not in this race, and Mo Donegal decided to go to New York, so Simplification was the standout off current form at Gulfstream Park. In the second spot was in due time. And as you recall, we were talking with Byron King last week about his Derby Dozen. And this, my friends, was a Derby Dozen exacta in the Fountain of Youth. Congratulations to Byron. Uh, earlier on the card, it was the Devana Dale. I really thought Girl with the Dream was going to be standout here, but she wasn't even favored. And the winner, a Shug McGee trainee who's now undefeated. This was her third lifetime start. Kathleen O improved at every call, even though she broke from the inside and just slowly moved up and ended up pulling away, winning by two with Javier Castellano in the saddle. Uh, big rally there by Classy Edition. Too much, too late. And that was a length and a quarter over cocktail moments. And then the Gulfstream Park Mile, Billy Mott gets this one. Speaker's Corner, a, a lightly raised son of Street Sense, uh, who was making his second start 
and second win at Gulfstream Park. Won the grade three Fred Hooper last out and now takes the grade two Gulfstream Park mile. Then we went out to Santa Anita and it was the three-year-olds in the San Felipe. And folks, this is a name you're going to hear a lot about. Forbidden Kingdom, trained by Richard Mandela. It went off at even money. And uh, Forbidden Kingdom, and now a son of American Pharaoh, launches himself to very much near the top of the derby picture went wire to wire was never hit one under wraps by five and three quarters lengths forbidden kingdom the name you want to remember when people say hey you like horses who you like in the derby you might want to throw that name out and of course the last great race we covered of the weekend and it's a oh no it wasn't the last we also we had the gotham for the three-year-olds the winner in there was an easy win for morello uh, Baffert Shifford, Rockefeller, a lot of people liked, uh, hit the gate, stumbled the break, ended up finishing last. But Morello is the horse to look for coming out of New York, one under wraps, easy, trained by Steve Asmussen, Jose Lozano in the saddle. And again, last one, the Santa Anita Handicap, grade one, $650,000. It was a ding-dong daddy. The question was, can Express Train make it to the final stop, being a mile and a quarter, and got the distance today? So now Express Train has the unique distinction of winning all three major preps at Santa Anita for the older horses, the San Antonio, the San Pasquale, and now the Santa Anita Handicap. Hats off to Warrant and Brad Cox. That was a tough beat, a really good effort. All right, that's a look at the closest we can get to fresh news and a look at last week's races. We take a break, and we're going to come back and catch up with what's happening on the national scene with the HBPA. Eric Hamelback paying us another one of his visits. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com. The home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right. With me right now, uh, Eric Hamelback, the CEO of the National HBPA. Now, if those initials confuse you, folks, it's it's it's, it's they represent the largest horsemen's group in North America. So uh, he represents the National HBPA. Uh, and it's member horseman on several industry boards. Uh, he's, he's a hands-on guy. Uh, he, he's, he's run major facilities. I'm not going to go into his resume because we don't have enough time. And he just came out of a very important national meeting uh, with uh, the members of his organization. So, uh, Eric, uh, can you kind of paint with a broad brush what you were seeing from your members and what topics they seem to respond the most to. And there's a couple I want to kind of delve into a little bit deeper, I think. Absolutely, John. Um, and again, thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate what you do and, you know, getting, getting information about the thoroughbred industry out and about and, uh, you know, always taking note of your, uh, of your suggestions and, uh, and your handicapping tips, so I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we uh, we we did. Uh, we had a great conference, and let me first thank the Arkansas HBPA and Oaklawn, uh, the now formerly Oaklawn Racing Casino Resorts. What an amazing facility! I, I would just invite all of your listeners to take an opportunity to go down to Oaklawn, which is, you know, one of the tracks that I kind of grew up in, so to speak, being a, a kid from North Louisiana, growing up in Louisiana Downs and working Oaklawn and, and down in New Orleans at the fairgrounds. But uh, it's an amazing place. Uh, I've always loved that place. Uh, it's got a special place in my heart and even more so now. We had an amazing conference. Um, it was extremely well attended. I think in fairness uh, to the reservations of many and the uncertainty of many with COVID, I didn't expect or anticipate uh, a large crowd uh, simply because, you know, there are concerns and, and they're warranted. But this was the second largest attendance since I've been in this position, uh, second only to 2018 when we were in New Orleans. So, so it was wonderfully attended by racing commissioners, other industry personnel, as well as obviously our affiliates, executive directors, and boards members uh, from across the country. Uh, so we couldn't have been more pleased, and we certainly couldn't give enough thanks to the Arkansas HBPA for being the host and and Mr. Sella, Louis Sella, who who opened his arms and and actually spoke uh, at the conference. Uh, so it, it was great, but yeah, to hit the highlights, it, it's tough, man. It, it, everything was great. I mean, ultimately, I think a lot of people were extremely appreciative, and we were very lucky to have Mr. Lucas uh, be the keynote speaker on Wednesday. Oh, uh, it, it was, it was great. a packed house. It, it really was. It, it was great, and, and Jenny provided a link uh, to his opening, so so I got yep. to hear it. And, and I think um, you know, D. Wayne Lucas, I think he stole this from me with a conference that I did at the University of Arizona 20 years ago, but I digress. And that was urging 
all <laughs> these people that were coming to find out how we further racing that for each one of them to become an ambassador of racing. But you know what? I was talking to publicists and for the most part, you know, we had people from all industries. But the interesting thing about D. Mm -hmm. Wayne Lucas talking to the HBPA is he was talking to the trainers. I wonder if he opened some eyes or he made some people say, am I really, can I play that kind of role? Uh, I never looked at myself as that important in, as influencing somebody as you know, really wanting to get into this game, you know, uh, with arms wide open. I, I agreed. And, and honestly, that has been a mantra of mine from, you know, quite some time. I, I had a panel, again, going back to 2018, you know, I had a panel where we successfully were able to get, um, you know, the, the, the senior VP, from the Saints and the Pelicans, Greg Bensel, and, and Jenny Reese was the moderator at that time. But the goal was to talk about what can you do, right? What, what can you do in the industry to be an ambassador? And, and honestly, Wayne's talk really teed up what was probably one of my favorite uh, panels that I put together, and that was representing the industry, again, moderated by Steve Dick, another great radio personality like yourself, but we had Ron Moquette, Rick Hammerly, and owner Dick, uh, Danny Caldwell. And that was the gist, that was the, the purpose of that panel, was to really talk about what can you do to be an ambassador for the sport. Because you know it probably better than I, but we see it every day now, John, is we're in a constant battle of perception. And, and as much as I hate saying that, we don't have enough people that are telling the real story. We have plenty of people out there telling the negative, but we need more people with boots on the ground that can tell the positive story. And now, with most everybody walking around with a, a movie camera in their hands with a, with a <laughs> phone, you can tell the good story. And, and that's what that panel later in the afternoon led into. So it was really a, an icing on the cake that I, I, I can't lie and say I planned it that way, but that was the gist of the motive, and it really worked out that way. Well, well, well that's great. Well, I, you, I hate to take what I feel has been a very positive conversation so far, Eric, and uh, I'm, I'm, for, mm -hmm. for, for, a, for a moment here, allow me to play devil's advocate. But there's a program out there called the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act. I mean, just that name. How could you or anyone find any niche of something that could be wrong with that? I mean, they're going to be the final racing czar that we've all said we've needed all these years. I mean, our problems are solved, right? <laughs> well, one thing that several of us uh, have always said and with the many that oppose that legislation and, and opposed it being implemented, we always said they had great foresight in naming the bill. I mean, who's going to be against horse racing integrity? Nobody. Correct. Including yes. myself, right? Yes. But, you know, I use, another, I use another cliche, the devil's in the details. And when you really look at the aspects of how HITSA came together, uh, it was cloaked. Uh, there was no Senate committee hearing. 
Uh, it was stuck to a, what, 6,000-page omnibus package that, again, nobody's going to vote no during the time of COVID to give COVID relief. relief. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, the stars aligned for those who were trying to get it through. They snuck it through, um, and they weren't ready for, uh, and I would say they would have lost a face-to-face fight if we'd ever had it brought to proper procedure going through the Senate committee hearing. And, and it is what it is, right? And, and I accept that. We know that it's the law of the land. But right now, there are two lawsuits that are challenging its constitutionality. And I've, I've said from the beginning, and I'm sure I've said on your show before, many may call it an obstructionist, but I do want people to understand that I do feel like, truly feel like I'm doing my due diligence to make sure this is correct and this is the proper way of going through things because on its face, it's, it's just like PASPA, uh, the, the uh, Protective Amateur Sports Act, and it was repealed by the Supreme Court. And ultimately, this bill mimics that in that it's telling the states what to do. It's the, that anti-commandeering principle. And in fairness, we're going to challenge that because we do feel as if it were the lay of the land and nobody challenged it and ultimately it was found unconstitutional after it was completely implemented, what is that going to do to the industry? I think it creates more havoc than what we have now. You know, well, fast Eric, forward Eric, to what Eric, we're dealing with now. It's, it's, go ahead. I, I just want to make sure we're not talking over over everybody's head because I know you and I have done a lot of research in this, is that it's an entity that wants to come in and see that things are, mm-hmm. are, are, are being done well. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the question, in my opinion, is, first of all, who are, and you've used this term five times tonight already, they, and how do they uh, appoint a leader? And if he is a leader, what is his jurisdiction? Now, again, to, to bring it down to guys like me, these are guys that want to make the rules that we're going to have to live by no matter how tough they are. Am I, am I presenting that somewhat well? I, I think so. I mean, ultimately, the authority uh, is what I would term them. Again, nine members that were selected by some groups within the industry to oversee racing. Uh, They're not elected. So immediately, I personally have uh, an issue with any appointed body telling everybody else what to do. And, And, oh, by the way, they were appointed by industry members. So where is the independence in that? I... I have a problem with that. I, I would also say that the authority members, depending on how you interpret their bylaws, they can't be ousted other than time. And so if they do a bad job, unlike an elected official, they can't be unelected by the, the members of the industry. And so that, that's, obviously a concern for us and and yes you know to your point 
this body is now going to delegate exactly what rules we are to live by, we being the industry. And I, and I would tell you that, you know, a hundred times over, the National HBPA has continued to stand for and promote uniformity within medication issues, yeah. within safety issues. That, that's never been a question. Um, and, and it's just at this point with the group that's been implemented or, or put into place, there are questions that that's an unconstitutional way of doing things. Now, the one thing that, that, that really hit me between the eyes, and I think of a lot of other people when reality struck is, and that's why I think this thing's a paper tiger, is so, okay, hey, I got, I got, I've got all these great ideas, and I want you to test for a million things on every horse in every race. Oh, and by the way, you, Mr. Racetrack, with profits you made that would go to horsemen, instead, I want you to cut us into the pie so we can pay our administrative expenses that, that are and, and make all these rules for you to pay for. Am I insane, or is that kind yeah. of what they're saying? Uh, it, it's, I don't think you're insane at all. I mean, it's, it's exactly what they're saying. I mean, we, that's why we've turned it an unfunded mandate. You know, trying to borrow or or compare it to, to phrases that are in the political world. I mean, it's an unfunded mandate. In other words, they're telling us what to do, and we have to pay for it. And it's up to them what they get to spend. So, in other words, again, this bill gives the right to a private entity to assess fees or taxes, whatever you want to call them, to participants within the industry with no oversight. And that is, again, unconstitutional. And, you know, for us to look at what, what the, what the, essentially what the ARCI or what I would call our current anti-doping policies pay, it, it's a tremendous amount of money. But now we're going to have to essentially be paying for a duplicative entity to oversee what we're already overseeing. And, and yes, I mean, the funding, the cost, all still a big mystery, and they have yet to be able to tell us what it's going to cost. And that's a big concern because yeah. it'll get passed down. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and this in an era, Eric, as you know, where a big thrust of our industry is to bring new owners and new life bread into the industry. And now we're going to say, oh, and by the way, there's an extra $100 <laughs> for a start so we can give your horse more tests because we don't trust your trainer. Uh, you, you know, it's exactly. I, it, it's good. It, it's, it's not making the carrot any bigger on the end of the stick for bringing new owners into the game. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, and, and, and not to not to bring it up again, but it's the same situation with Lasix. I mean, I've had several owners who have told me that, you know, they're not going to buy horses. I mean, ultimately, when you have a medication that, that obviously mitigates and can sometimes, you know, lessen the severity of a real issue that, that is inexpensive uh, and legal, and you're, you're being told by an entity that you can't use it, 
then why would you invest in this game and run the risk of having harm caused by something that's out there that can prevent it, that is perfectly legal? So, you know, on a lot of different fronts, John, the, the, the act has, the, the act has problems, but right now we have to understand it. Until the lawsuits are settled, it is the lay of the land, and we've got to be prepared for it. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. Our members need to understand what's going on, and we need to have a good relationship with the authority because right now, quote unquote, they're in charge. And until a court says they're not, we have to deal with that because one of the biggest problems that people seem to not quite grasp as of yet is that this can still be stopped and that's that's completely false i mean it was signed into law by the president of the united states i mean that's a magnitude that many people can't get their head around but it's the law of the land and and until a lawsuit says it's not we have to figure out how to work best with this and the only thing that i know is to have a good relationship with that authority and hopefully have some input and influence and make it a better, more palatable protocol and act going forward. Well, if anybody should be driving that train, it's Eric Hamelback. I trust that we got the right guy at the engineer stick and just continue to guide the horseman's group as you have, because you've done an outstanding job, Eric. I could talk to you for two hours, but time won't let me, but always good to hear your voice. And obviously from everything you've presented this evening, uh, there will be a follow-up call down the road when we see things start to unravel. Absolutely. Take care, Eric. Thanks for being with us. Eric Hamelback from the HPPA. You're always welcome. Thank you. Uh, We'll be right back with the rail bird himself, Bob Roberts. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, a man who first and foremost is a friend of mine that I've gotten no oh, over, I'm going to say, easily three decades of working uh, together with him on different projects in the uh, Buckeye State. Uh, he's a regular on this show. And Bob helped me out tonight. If some of you guys read our early you know, previews, you saw that Matt Carruthers was supposed to be uh, in this spot. But, uh, hey, as long as we were booking male models, I go, hey, there's a better looking guy out there. Let me see if Bob Roberts oh, boy. is them. Oh, <laughs> Anyhow, Matt Carruthers oh. got stuck in the airport. My buddy Bob Roberts was willing to step in right away, the handsome dude that he is. Mm-hmm. Roberto, how are you? Oh, how are you? How are you? <laughs> Everything's good. You? Uh, I... I I, I can't complain. It was a pretty mild winter. You know, things have been going pretty well as far as racing's concerned. You know, uh, been enjoying the kind of, uh, let's face it, you know, it's hard to believe, but the rubber meets the road here. I looked at the road to the Kentucky Derby schedule and shit, we're going to jump into those 100, you know, win points in a matter of two weeks. Right. What are these Baffert owners doing? Huh? I mean, if these people are not want to run in the Derby. I thought by now they'd uh, be sending the vans over to the barn to pick up those uh, three-year-olds that don't have any points. They got a – where's Corniche? Have you been talking about him at all? Where is he hiding? He's hiding at Windstar Farm and training. Wow. Well, but, so I he's mean, not like even, he's said, not even rough... at track because they don't publish their workouts down there. So right. he, he's just right. legging up, you know. Let, let's hope we see him again. But uh, he, certainly he's not on the derby trail for sure. Uh, with, I know. Way, way too late for that. But, uh, you know, Bob, I, I've asked people that know way more about this stuff than you and me, particularly a lot of uh, the correspondents on the West Coast, and even they don't have a clue. So uh, yeah. it, it's got to be one of two things. There's a plan of action where just before, let's say, the Santa Anita Derby and some of, some of the ones where basically it's a win in your end race, they're going right. to change. They're, they're going to change trainership shall i say and there's a there's an agreement in place that perhaps after right. that's done the horses go back to baffert and the other thing is you've just got die hard fast with uh guys with big echo uh, big egos and a lot of money they're saying you know what bob let's screw the big guys you know we don't mm-hmm. think you we don't think you got a fair shake over a skin cream and, you know, that, 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 that they're on a witch out front you. And you've been good to us. Let's just go make money, you know. Let's just go win yeah. the Arkansas Derby or win this and win that. And we'll take the top purse and we'll just skip their triple crown races and go on and have a great year. I guess that could be what's happening. I don't know. I don't know. But won't that, uh, I mean, won't that 90-day uh, suspension by the Kentucky stewards, won't that uh, kick into effect? And then reciprocity takes over, and he can't enter horses anywhere. That well, not anywhere, but anywhere among uh, I think the Churchill tracks in any state that recognizes the Kentucky ban. So yeah, you know, that's I always th- said yeah. I always thought John, if he if he strikes out here completely, 
He'll uh, he'll set up shop in Arkansas. He'll be a he'll be a he'll be a regular at Oakland Park like Hollendorfer did when when he got the boot in California at Santa Anita. So I I don't know. And then Arkansas is going to have to add more racing days for Baffert because sixty won't be enough. No, they might have to build a new couple of barns, you know, with with the way he goes. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, his owners, yeah. so many of them are West Coast-based. And believe me, I, there's a little bit of a love affair between the California Horse Racing Board and Baffert, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Well, they've been accused of that. Yes. Yes. I, I think didn't uh, didn't a couple of commissioners have to uh, abstain because uh, they're, they're connected to them in a recent yeah. vote? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. I didn't think it would go on this long after the Derby last year, but here we are. So, I don't know, John. It's uh, it's messy. It's messy. And by the way, you're well, talking about winners just about gone. Up here in Cleveland, we're supposed to get the three to five starting uh, tomorrow night. Oh it's yeah, just the snow. I know, and and that's why you know, I asked you, and I know uh, you you know you didn't have uh, time to absorb them all, though you're a speed handicapper, anyhow. I, I shied away from the, some really good grass races at Tampa Bay Downs because from what I heard from both Marty McGee and Matt Carruthers is it's supposed to be guaranteed pouring there for most of the day. So, you know, I, I didn't want to handicap the grass races and have a whole bunch of scratches right. for people. You know, but, it's interesting uh, because I was in Florida a year ago and I was I was at Tampa Bay Downs for the Tampa Bay Derby and it rained like there was no tomorrow last year and i do see where it's supposed to be a hundred percent chance of rain for saturday it's too bad it's just too bad it, it is well of your and i know i'm asking a lot of these questions off the cuff but uh in the uh in some of the derby preps is is there one that stands out in 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 your mind uh of something you saw over the weekend maybe uh you know, Morella or uh, uh, Simplification, who looked pretty strong in there. Uh, and, of course, the the West Coast, my PPs are all over the floor. The West Coast horse uh, that Mandela trains, forbidden. Yeah. Simplification was very impressive. I got a little, I guess, uh, supposedly, you saw there was a change in riders for the, whole, uh, for the uh, Fountain of Youth. Apparently, Sano told uh, Cassiano, I need you to come and work this horse on a, on a certain day. And Cassiano says, geez, I'm sorry, i got to go up to Palm Meadows and work one for Todd. Well, that didn't go over too well with Sano, and that's why uh, Jose Ortiz had to mount in the, uh, in the Fountain of Youth instead of Cassiano, who got a mount in the race anyways and ran third on an 81-to-1 shot. I was impressed with the simplification's effort. I also was very impressed. When Classic Causeway, who's the 9-5 to favorite in the Tampa Bay Derby, when he won, what was that, the Sam Davis' last start at the Tampa? It was very yeah. impressive. Very impressive. He made a Cadillac move in that race. So he's uh, he, he caught my eye, and simplification has caught my eye. Those would be the two that I uh, – I don't watch a whole lot of California racing because who knows? Who knows who's coming into the entry box from out of there with Baffert. So we'll see. It's interesting. It's wide open. I can tell you that. It's wide open. 
It is, because every time you get a horse like that new Grange that was supposed to romp in Arkansas, and they finish up the track, and then, you know, horses like uh, Baffert, Ship, and Rockefeller, he he runs dead last. It's 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 a really a mixed bag. Well, uh, to add to that mixed bag is the rain we talked about and uh, the Tampa Bay Derby. Of course, the, the, the horse everybody's talking about is classic Causeway. Uh, but I'm not making him one to five in here, even though he was a, a very authoritative victor in the Sam F. Davis. But uh, there's two up and comers there. I think we got to keep an eye on. We'll see if you agree. Number one, we don't know enough about Major General, except for the fact that as a two year old Colt, he won the very important Iroquois stakes going a mile and a 16th at Churchill Downs. That's important. He's been training well for uh, for Todd. Then you go down to this Chad Brown three-year-old. Money Supply has only gone six furlongs, but ran a freakishly faxed 91 buyer over the Tampa Strip. And I just wonder if that was a huge tightener for this, and this is some kind of uh, yeah. uh, free, freaky horse. And then you got the runner-up uh, in the Sam F. Davis Shipsational. But, I mean, on this point right. on the paper, it looks like classic Causeway's race to lose. And I'd throw in a 15-to-1 shot if you're betting gimmicks. I'd, I'd throw in the seven horse, strike hard. He uh, he ran in that mucho macho uh, man at, uh, at Gulfstream uh, behind the simplification. And I think uh, – and then he was fourth in the uh, Sam Davis. So I, I think he could be used in that race. He's 15-to-1. And apparently somebody told Luis Saez this is a live horse because he's given up a, a full day of riding at Gulfstream. I'm sure he's in a bunch of stakes at Tampa. But he's yeah. going to go ride this horse. So there's a lot of money on the table all day long at Tampa Bay Downs, that's for sure. No, so and, and, it's a good I, card. I'll hope the weather's wrong. Yeah, I, I do too. But I, I think to go back to strike hard, especially since it's a nice long shot to keep in your exotics, um, the, the fact that you uh, pointed out that uh, he ran second to simplification uh, says a mm-hmm. lot, you know, right. and and. Yeah. and was shuffled back. I mean, you know, you're going to mile on the 16th at Tampa, and you catch the 10 hole in 12 horse field, and then break bad. You know, you got right. a lot to make up after that. Now the horse is a stalker, but th- that was uh, uncharacteristic of that horse to get that far behind. I now, hear you. Uh, now, now here's a race, and I know Bob, you haven't had a whole night to chew on this. But this has got to be one of the hardest races I've handicapped a long time, and that's the Michelob Ultra, the Challenger Stakes, as we once knew it, at Tampa Bay Downs. It, it's for four and up going a mile and a 16th. Uh, boys usually dominate this race. Um, and I, I just see check marks after check marks after chess marks. I don't have any odds. I have no idea who's the favorite. Mm. Uh, important horses. Uh, you know, basically what I'm seeing, Bob, is I'm seeing several horses that are trying to return to their back class of last year. Right. And then yeah. I'm seeing several horses that appear to relish the off going. So, you know, I just don't, you know, I don't know which one of these horses of glory days beyond are going to pop up today. And if they do, yeah. are they not going to handle the surface? Have you had a chance to get into this? Cause it is a tough race. No, I have not had a good chance. You're talking about the eighth race, the challenge challenge. Yes. You're talking about the eighth. Yes. Uh, well, the morning line, uh, they, they've got dynamic one at five to two for Pletcher. And then they have uh, McGahee's horse, greatest honor at three to one, the okay. second choice. He's the, 
he's first time Lasex in there. So those well, two look pretty good. I don't. Well, did, I don't have you know, any strong got, opinion in there. You got to rattle your memory. Greatest honor last year was talking about one of the major derby horses. He won the right. Holy Bull. He won the Fountain of Youth. And then uh, finished third in the Florida Derby. I mean, that's a damn good resume going in the Derby. Obviously, something happened. He shook McGee uh, has him. He's like, ah, put this horse away. But but I haven't noticed no. anything too, too exciting. You, you like to see that one bull out bullet somewhere, even if it's down yeah. at one of the training centers. And this horse has been kind of lackluster. And then, you know, you get other horses that are waking up in the slop, like tune in. That's got to be a long shot. And then another one of Suge McGay's horses is scalding uh, near right. near near the outside who's already won a sloppy track is coming in with two wins this year so far son of nyquist you know he's doing well and he's probably a long shot cody's wish which louis says is going to be riding this one bob um, eight to one he's eight to one on the morning line well bill mott's having a hell of a season i mean down at tampa yes, he is He's, he's clocking at 25%. Now, this horse hasn't run since last year, but uh, Mott off the layoff is winning at 24%. That seems to be his main I thing. So I I, I've been I very, very impressed. Well, did you get a chance to go out and to Oaklawn and take a look at the yes. Xeri, which is a star-studded yes. field? And I'm tired Great of talking. Race. So you good. That's, that, no, that's, no. You no, take it's over. Good, you good, take, good race. Drive, drive this uh, this horse, Bob. Help well, us out. Well, yeah, it's uh, three hundred and fifty thousand. They're going a mile and a sixteenth. Phillies and mares, and it's a Grade Two. They got nine in there. I see, I see a nice. Uh, it's gonna. They, there's some speed in this baby. Lady Mystify. She shares the. She dares the devil. Ava's Grace. Uh, a couple of uh, Golden Curl. Super quick. A lot of speed in this race. Now it's, she dares the devil. Is a defending champ, but I'm looking for something to come off the pace, not too far back, but off the pace. So I've been looking I, at the five CC and the two Pauline's Pearl. Yes, you I'm this race. Yeah, yeah, and I'm looking at Pauline's Pearl now. The, the, the thing about it, you know, she shares the devil. It's been a layoff. She did the exact same thing. Came in here, hadn't been out since October, and wins the Azari by a head right. over over who? Latruska. Latruska. Yeah, so, right. so Brad right. Cox right. knows how to get this this right. girl ready. But the, you're you're talking about the early speed that could could, could set set up in here, especially with that lady lady mystify breaking just the inside of her. But so yeah, I like Pauline's Pearl because she's a really nice stalker. She likes this strip. She won the Grade Three Fantasy last year here and just missed in the Honeybee. So you know she likes right. the surface. She's already coming fresh off a Grade Three win. Uh, albeit at, at Houston, but nonetheless, great way to start your season. And she's the stalker, so she can stay behind those horses. Now, CC, I've always loved this horse, but Bob, sometimes this mile and a sixteenth is a bit of a stretch for her. It's funny you say that, John, because I, I, I'm looking at those those route races, and she's been at this distance four times, and she's only won once. But I'm looking down at the mile and a sixteenth races. And then you go to April 18th of, of 2020, the Apple Blossom, and who who uses the mile rally to win by a head? CC. 
So a mile and a sixteenth seems to be a problem for her at other racetracks, but she's one for one going a mile and a sixteenth at Oaklawn Park. So uh, I don't uh, think yeah. it's going to be a problem. Well, it was two years ago. I hope she's got a good memory. <laughs> but look at her. Look at her PPs, John. It's all grade ones and grade twos. Rarely I, do you, you see a grade three in there. You know what I mean? Nope. She is just uh, she's takes the bears on all the time, all the time. Oh, yeah, I, I've made money betting this horse. I mean, you know, it was upset time in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint last year, and uh, Victor Espinosa will make his uh, his Oaklawn Park debut uh, of this season coming over to Ryder. And albeit they're both at seven furlongs, but she's the only horse in the race that got back-to-back 100 buyers. So, you know, she's she's a, she was voted the champion handicap mayor, right? In 2021. Yeah. Uh-huh. She was the champ. Okay. Yeah. Diversely Great so. Race, I though, mean, John, you're right. That, that, that is a very, very good race. People should uh, make sure to try to watch that race. at uh, 610 Eastern time post time on that race. The ninth race at Oakland. It's really a good race. You're right. You, you picked a good one there, pal. Well, what can I say? It, it, it's, it's interesting in that there's only, uh, only one Derby prep this week. You know, that's kind of rare yeah. this time of year. I, I yeah, was surprised. Yeah, it's an off week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, I was on, a, really I'm getting on an, a friend of mine. We like to go to Florida for uh, three-day uh, betathons at Gulfstream. So we're leaving, uh, God willing, on an 8.30 plane tomorrow morning. And uh, we're going down to Gulfstream for three days. We'll beat the snow, hopefully, and then uh, come back either late Sunday night or early uh early on Monday. We heard uh, that the weather forecast for Saturday at Gulfstream is 89 degrees. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll no. pack your shorts, Bob. Oh, yeah, I man. got a few packed. You're right. Good, good. I, I just made my reservation for a couple of weeks down there, so I only bring one bag. I only need, like, two shirts and some clean underpants. I'm good. <laughs> but anyhow. Today by Chant- there was an interesting tweet by Chantel Sutherland today. She said, Please. for my fans, I jogged on the tapeta just now, and it's saturated from an early downpour. I think forwardly traced horses will win early in the card and all day. And guess what? She was right. Speed went, and it's always going to be listed as fast. But she said it was soaking, saturated, wet from the overnight rains or all-day rain. So that's interesting that she would tweet that. So she's a pretty good uh, judge of track bias, this, uh, this woman. Well, well, let me know what man, time she... Keep that in mind. I wish she... Does she tell you what time she jogs? Because I'd love to just watch that. <laughs> well, let's see here. This was eight hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> so she must have tweeted like uh, probably around 12 o'clock or something like that. That's my guess. <laughs> okay. No, she's gorgeous and she's good for the game. If you've ever seen her out there, she stops and poses with all the little girls, puts their, her helmet on their head and stuff like that. She's very good for the game. And so is Bob Railbird Roberts. Bob, I hope our paths cross sooner than later, my friend. All right, John. Take care and good luck. All right. Be well, Bob. Thanks a lot for jumping in tonight. Greatly appreciated. Always happy to have Eric Hamill back here. Uh, He's a good man to have on your side, and I think uh, he's certainly the, the right man. Uh, to be heading up the HBPA. So that's pretty much this week's show. Don't forget, rain or shine, you don't have to get wet. Only the horses do and the jockeys down at uh, at Tampa Bay. So great card down there, uh, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully 
some of our picks will get there for you. So for Eric, Bob, and my producer, we'll just call him Jay for today. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for tuning in to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.